0: This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at FaithLivingChurch.com. But I want to talk to you today about something we've been talking about a wee bit for the last two, three weeks. But I just want to ask you this question: what are you expecting? Personally, right now, for tomorrow, for this coming week, for this coming month, for the rest of this year, this summer, this fall, this winter, what are you expecting with your children, with your spouse, with your neighbors, with your job, your career, your future? What are you expecting? Think about that for just a moment. What are you expecting? It's so important that you and I have. Great expectations, and I want to challenge you tonight and through the rest of your life to really, you know, cultivate your confident expectations, just like a lot of us have been out there cultivating our gardens, you know, because we're expecting all this wonderful vegetation, you know, these vegetables and all coming up. I want to challenge you to cultivate your confident expectation. You praying about something you're expecting it to happen? Cultivate that. And we'll discover those, that, uh, how to go about doing that in, in God's word. Uh, let me share just a few words of a song. And uh, I don't know if, if you have noticed yet, but in this world we are experiencing a little bit of shaking, you know, it's going on in so many areas of our life. And here's a, an old song, and it, it says, it starts off, you know, this world has nothing for me. This life is not my own. I know you go before me, and I am not alone. This mountain rises higher. The way seems so unclear. But I know that you go with me, so I will never fear. I will trust in you. Whatever will come our way, through fire and pouring and rain, no, we won't be shaken. No, we won't be shaken. Whatever tomorrow brings... Together, we'll rise and sing that we won't be shaken. No, we won't be shaken. No, we won't be shaken. You know my every longing. You've heard my every prayer. You held me in my weakness because you are always there. So I'll stand in full surrender. It's your way of and not my own. My mind is set on nothing less than you and you alone. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Although there's a lot of shaking going on, the song is talking about we will not be shaken. Uh, again, I want to encourage you to continue to cultivate your confident expectations for your future. That's very, very important that we do. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says, With God, half things are possible. All, well, what percentage is all? 100%. With God, all things are possible. And that's what I expect. I expect with God that anything that others would deem as impossible is possible with God, especially if it's linked to his word, especially if it's linked to his promise, especially if it's linked to anything he's told you and me, it is possible and it will come about, you know. So think about this for a moment. Are you facing impossible looking situations right now? And you heard what I said, looking, are you facing impossible-looking situations throughout the Bible. It looked impossible to go across the Red Sea. It looked impossible to walk on water. It looked impossible to feed 15,000 people with just a couple of fish and a couple of lo- uh, loaves of bread. It-, it looked impossible for all the things that we read about Jesus. It looked that way, seemed that way, but it wasn't that way after all. It says, with God all things are possible. Listen when what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. And I'm going to read this out of the message. And it says, so we're not giving up. How could we? We're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. It often looks that way on the inside where God is making new life. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. And remember, the definition of grace is God's enabling power. By his grace, we're saved. By his enabling power. His grace is sufficient. His enabling power is sufficient. All the places you see grace, you can understand that's God's enabling power. Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. (laughs) These hard times are small potatoes, not big potatoes just small little bitty ones. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming times, the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. Things change. So much is temporary, short-lived. So don't get focusing on that temporary stuff too much. But the things we can't see now, God, his angels, him on the move, that's eternal stuff, and that will last forever. What are you expecting? Are you expecting God to do everything that he's promised, fulfill the dreams that he's put in your heart, even from a young girl, from a young boy? Are you expecting everything that you've read in God's word to be true? Are you expecting him to come back one day and take his whole church home? Or are you expecting one day to kick off your shoes and slide down them streets of gold in your sock feet? What are you expecting? I'm telling you, cultivate your confident expectations that are based upon the privileges and the uh, blessings and and the uh, commands and the promises of Almighty God. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7, in the Amplified Bible it says, blessed. With spiritual security is the man. Blessed is the man with spiritual security. Blessed that man (laughs) is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord. There's a blessing, you know, uh, pronounced upon you. And this is talking about mankind. That's women as well. Blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. You expect God to be everything that he said he was. You expect him to do everything he said he's going to do. And he's promised to take care of you and your family. He's promised to take care of every little detail, every facet of your life, from head to toe, from east to west, from north to south. He's promised take care of you. That's what he said. And then one day, We're going to live with him forever together. Oh, it's going to be so fantastic. Blessed is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord, whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord, for he will nourish. He will be nourished. This man who believes and trusts and relies on God, he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters. And you know a tree that's planted by the waters, its roots go down deep. And even when there's drought other places, it don't know there's drought because it's just getting all the water, soaking up all the water from its roots that it ever needs to have leaves and fruit and all. And it says right here, for he, this man who, who believes in God, trusts in God, relies on God, for he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its root by the river and will not fear, heat when it comes. It don't matter how hot it gets. I got all the water I'll ever need. He will not fear the heat when it comes, but, it, but its leaves will be green and moist and it will not be anxious and concerned in a year of drought. A whole year of drought, it's got all the water it needs because it's growing right beside this river, you see. And you know, Jesus is this river of life for you and me. It will not be anxious or concerned in a year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. It's going to be fruitful when all the other trees is dried up and shriveled away. The man, the woman who trusts and believes in and relies on almighty God. I'm talking about those who are in a relationship. Listen to what he goes on to say in Colossians 2, 7. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your roots grow down into Jesus, into a deep relationship with Christ. Let your roots grow down deep into him. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, in the Living Bible it says, And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, and my heart. That Christ will be more and more at home, more and more welcome. Is he really welcome in your heart? Is he welcome in your home? Is he welcome in all the rooms of your house and all the closets and the refrigerators, the cupboards? Is he welcome in your mind? Is Jesus welcome in your television and your computer? Is he welcome in your heart? And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him and expect him to do everything he's promised. May your roots May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. When your roots go down deep, it's just going to suck up love. Love for God. Love for one another. That's what the Bible tells us. There's "There's only two great commandments that there are. If you do those two, you'll fulfill all the commands. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you're in relationship with him, you're sucking up all the love into you, and you'll love God, and you'll love your neighbor. You will love. You you will radiate that love to other people. That's just the way it is. Now, sometimes human love can be challenging. Do y'all know that? I think I can hear you from your house. You're saying, "Yeah, it can be challenging sometimes." Human love. We're talking about. You know, you 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 like people. Don't you like some people? You like people because. Because they like you. Because they're interested in the same thing you're interested in. You like people because. You love people although. God loves you although. And he forgives us and he cleanses us. He's crazy about us. But there are some challenges in loving humans. There are. But when we're sucking up all that love from the streams of life, that comes up into us. We got all the love for everybody on the whole planet throughout all eternity. We got all that we'll ever need when we draw it from him. Confident expectation. Our our confidence in him and our expecting from him, it comes by hearing his word. We, We know what it says there in Romans 10, 17, that faith, and you remember what faith is, faith is a substance. Faith is a title deed of things hoped for, Faith is the substance of what we hope for. And hope is a confident expectation. That's the biblical definition. Faith is the substance of things that we hope for. So if you're hoping about something, that means you got a confident expectation. You're expecting something, then that's what you call faith. You're expecting. When I go fishing, I don't expect to catch a fish. I expect to catch a bunch of fish. When you're gardening, you're expecting to get a bunch of vegetables. Whatever you do, you're expecting the best. And that's what biblical hope is. It's a confident expectation for future success. And whatever you put your hand to, that you're going to succeed in that. That's what the Bible teaches us. But that faith and that confident expectation don't come by hearing the television. It don't come by listening to country music or any kind of music. As far as that goes, it don't come by by, by reading a book or, or reading a magazine or reading a newspaper. You know, faith don't come to us by, by getting degrees. Ain't nothing wrong with all those things, but that's not where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing his word. Faith cometh by hearing God's word. Faith does. And faith is a substance of things hoped for. Faith is a substance of things that you got a confident expectation about. And we need to cultivate our expectation we need to read and hear and, 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 and study and apply and pray and speak God's word. Now, our confident expectation is really empowered by love. Listen to what it says here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, but faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's, it's a confident expectation. A confident expectation It's talking about here. This confident expectation which worketh, by love that means it becomes active by love faith does this hope does this confident expectation is activated it's effectually it, it becomes mighty through love as our roots are drawing this love up from from the river that we're planted by you know oh this draws all draws up all that love and and it empowers faith it empowers our confident expectation you know what i'm talking about you know um uh, Smartphones, they work by electricity. Do you know that? Smartphones, they work by electricity. Ta-da! My smartphone is working by electricity. Well, there's something else too, don't feel left out. Dumb phones work by electricity too, okay? Smartphones, dumb phones, they all work by electricity. Listen to what it says here. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, let your roots, we've already uh, looked at this a little bit, it says, let your roots grow down into him, a strong, vibrant relationship. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. And and, uh, that nourishment comes in many facets, but one of the greatest is love. We're rooted in him and, and drawing up love. God is love, and, and we're just drawing all that love up in us so we can love him and so we can love our fellow man. So he says here, let your roots grow down, grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him, so you will grow in faith, in this confident expectation. You will grow strong and vigorous, energetic, enthusiastic, dynamic. You're gonna grow in the truth that you were taught. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 says, A man with leprosy came to him, Jesus. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now that man, he knew Jesus could do it. And he expected him to do it. The whole issue was not whether he could heal. The whole situation is, are you willing to heal me? That was what he was wrestling with. And it says, this man with leprosy, he came to him and he begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And this man was expecting Jesus to do a miracle if he was willing. Verse 41, Jesus settled this issue once and for all. Filled with compassion. In the King James Bible, it says, move with compassion. He was filled and he was moved. He went into action because of compassion. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He touched the man who was an untouchable. Men and women in that day were referred to as untouchables because they had leprosy. And it was a horrible, terrible thing. Far worse than this coronavirus. And Jesus instantly, when he said, you can, if you're willing, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. The man expected Jesus and he just said, are you willing? And Jesus answered that immediately with his hand pushed out there, said, I am willing, be clean. Verse 42, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. See, Jesus was moved to action because of his compassion for this leprous man. He loved him. That's why he came to this earth for you and me, you know? This confident expectation that we have is because he has given it to us. He wants us to believe everything he's ever told us. He wants us to believe everything his father said and the moving of his spirit. He wants us to believe it. He wants us to expect it. He wants us to know that he's willing. Not only he can do it, but he wants us to understand that he's willing and he genuinely is. It says here in verse uh, 7 of Colossians 2. We already read this once. It says, Let your roots grow down into him and draw off nourishment from him so you will grow in the faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives... What's that word? Overflow. overflow. Let your lives overflow with... Grumbling and complaining. Now it says, let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he's done. As your roots are growing down into him and you're soaking up all the characters of Jesus Christ, you're soaking up all of his power and all of his mercy, all of his grace, all of his love. Let your lives then, he says, overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. Thanksgiving and praise is evidence that you have a confident expectation for your future. You're thanking him, and you know that he's forgiven you, and you know you're going to live with him one day. You know, it is appointed unto every one of us at one time to die. It really is. We have an appointment, like having an appointment. You go sit in some office somewhere and you're waiting for them to call you. We all have an appointment. It's something to look forward to. But we just busy ourselves doing what he's called us to do until that appointment comes. And he says here, you know, let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he's done. Let your lives overflow. We should be the most thankful, praise-filled people if we're not thanking God and praising him. We don't expect much. We have very little faith. That's just the truth of it, you know. What type of an animal do you think that lions devour the most? If you said, well, probably a weak one or one that's been injured or a sickly animal, they take out the the sick population, you know, or the weak ones and all as far as animals go out there in the wilderness. And you would be right. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I know what it feels like to be in a lion's domain. There's a place right here in Connecticut. On two occasions, I have tracked a lion in the snow. I didn't know what I was tracking at first. And then I'm thinking, he could actually be circled around and be tracking me. It made me a a, a little bit more alert. But the Bible says here, you know, be self-controlled and alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, And guess what tips the devil off? What tips that lion off that your faith and your expectations are not so confident, and you're pretty weak, and you're pretty vulnerable. Wonder what tips him off to attack you because you're more vulnerable than a lot of the people who might pull out their sword and chop his head off, you know? Think about this for a moment. This is what tips off the devil to attack you and me. This is it right here in a nutshell. Our praise turns... Sour. Oh, it's good while we're in church together, praising God, but on an everyday ongoing basis, our praise, it turns sour, and we begin to complaining and groaning and moaning and bellyaching, and our thanksgiving, which we should be overflowing with because of our expectations of what God has promised and what he's already done, our thanksgiving disappears and becomes grumbling and ungrateful. And when the devil hears grumbling and ungratefulness, and when he hears us begin to complain, he goes, hmm, that one's vulnerable. That's a weak one. I can take him down easy. See, so yeah, a uh, lion's not going to attack a great, big, full-grown, strong animal as much as he is willing to take down those weak ones. So what kind of signal are we sending to the enemy of our soul? Are we grumbling complaining and fussing? Are we ungrateful and all? He goes on to say here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, it says, resist him, resist this lion, resist the devil. Well, we got to get some strength to do that. You can't do it while you're complaining and moaning and groaning and ungrateful, you know, and grumbling and all that stuff. Resist him, standing firm, not, not, not shaking, no, 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 not, 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 not weak and shaking to get ready to fall down. It says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. And faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, a confident expectation for the future. He tells us, resist him, standing firm in the faith, standing firm with a confident expectation that I'm going to cut that lion's head off. God has given me a shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. And he's given me a sword, you know, and he's given me a helmet, a breastplate of armor, and my loins are girt about with truth and my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and God has given us equipment to fight with. And you know what? When you're ready to fight and you come out there charging that devil, he's going to run the other way. It says resist him and he will flee from you. That's what the Bible tells us. It surely does. So we need to resist him, standing firm in the faith. You know, hold your sword and hold your shield and be ready. But don't be groaning or moaning. Oh, your stuff gets all rusted. It don't work so well no more. You know, there's a, a, a sister, a believer, a sister in Christ, a believer, had touched base with Susan not too long ago, and she had been harassed a whole lot by the enemy of her soul. The devil, he, you know, he, he comes against us with doubt and unbelief and worry and fear and anxieties. And then she had just pretty much had enough, and this is what this sister told Susan, and then Susan shared with me because we were just praying for her. And she just simply said, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Now, I didn't know there was a song called that. And Susan sang it for me. I didn't know there was a song called that. But I like the concept. I'm going to raise a hallelujah too, you know. And she said, I'm going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'm going to sing and I'm going to shout. And I'm going to worship Almighty God in the presence of my enemies. And I'm going to tell you what that devil will resist. Because the Bible says if you submit yourself unto God, the enemy of our soul, he will flee from you as in terror. That's what the Bible says. And I believe everything that it says, you know. Complaining is a sign that our faith and our expectation is slipping and it signals the lion to attack. So when you start complaining, when you start moaning and groaning belly ache. But well, don't be surprised when all these fears and worries and all kinds of things happen to you and you feel like you're really getting beat up by the devil, you signaled him that you're weak and he can come on in and attack. But you do what the sister said. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. I'm going to stand in my armor and I'm going to sing to God before my enemies. That's submitting yourself to God and the devil will flee from you as in terror because He is afraid of Jesus. He's already beaten stuffings out of him, and you're acting just like Jesus did, you know? What happens when your roots don't grow deep enough? Listen to what it says here in Matthew chapter 13, verse um, 5. It says, other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. Now, we understand this because we've been digging a lot of rock out of our garden, so we got some good, wonderful, luscious soil out there. As other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, the plants sprang up quickly, but they weren't very deep. The plants sprang up quickly, but they soon wilted beneath the hot sun. It was 80 degrees yesterday. That's how it's been here this year, just about. And they died. They wilted beneath the hot sun and they died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Here's my question. I wrote down four questions for you. Are you shallow in your relationship with God? I ain't saying, do you have one? I'm saying, is it shallow in your relationship with God? Are you shallow in in your reading and the studying of the Bible? Are you shallow in your your worshiping and your praying to God? Are you shallow there? Are you shallow in... in, uh, acting upon God's worth, that shallowness does not promote much success or fruitfulness. We need to let our roots go down deep. And even if it's a drought for a year, even if there's viruses for months and months, no matter what's going on, if you'll let your roots go down deep into God Almighty, you'll suck up his character and his provisions and it will sustain you, and you will raise your hallelujah. You will in the face of your enemy, and you will triumph. That's what the Bible tells us. Listen to what it says here in John 15. I read this every once in a while. It's just such a powerful passage. The whole chapter is. But he says here, Jesus says here in John 15, verse 4, he says, remain in me. Don't be shallow. It's what he's telling us. You know, remain in in a close, a deep relationship with me, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. Now, I actually got a grapevine. And it's right there, part of my garden. Now, this happens to be a branch already that's been severed from the vine. But let's just say that this was the big trunk line there. And this right here was, this is the vine, this here's the branch. What happens when you, how many grapes is it going to produce? Not many at all. It's lifeless. How many is that one going to produce? What about that piece over there? How much is it going to produce? Or that right there? Or that little piece right there? How much is it going to produce? not going to produce any because it's severed. It's cut away from the, 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 the vine that has the life sap flowing through it genuinely does. Listen to what it says here. Jesus said, remain in me in a close relationship with me and I will remain in you for a branch And, and he's the vine and you and I are the branches for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart at a distance. You cannot be fruitful apart from me. Are you somewhat distanced from Christ? Or have you been severed from Him? Are you entertaining yourself with other things and you're really not connecting well with Him? Think about that. He says here in verse five Yes, I am the vine, Jesus says. And you are the branches and those who remain, those who continue in a deep relationship in me, and I in them will produce what's I say much fruit. he's so much you'll prosper and you'll succeed in all that you do. you know we all want to be productive, none of us wants to fail, none of us wants to become fruitless and dry up and just be cast out. Then he goes on to say he says. For apart from me, talking about being having some distance between us now, Jesus said, for apart, the latter part of verse 5, for apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. You can't do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. now, I got a, a phone here, and I can research things. I can research, I can read dozens of different translations of the Bible, I can communicate with people around the world. I can FaceTime them. I can send them wonderful, fantastic things. I can. This is a fantastic tool. How long can I use this thing? Well, what happens when it is severed from the power? Oh, it might last a day, but then it becomes worthless. It can produce nothing. You ever let your phone battery die? Doing too much good then, is it? And I'm going to tell you, that's what we don't want to be. We always want to be connected. We want to remain in him and allow his electricity or allow the grapevine sap flow into the branch and to produce the fruit. And Jesus says that here in verse 5, John 15, 5, it says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. But if you stay joined to me, you're not shaking loose. And there's a lot of shaking going on. If you stay connected to me, if you remain in me and you're not shaking loose, and my word remains in you, gets in your ears, gets in your eyes, you may ask, what's that next word there? Any. Any request. Now, what percentage is any so, are you can ask anything, anything. He said, if you stay joined to me and, and my word remains in you, you may ask any request you like. Jesus said that. And you can ask with a confident expectation. Not, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't, you know. But he said here, if you stay joined to me and my word remains in you, you may ask any request you like and it will be granted. And that word granted means, approved, arranged, come into being. And this is the genuine truth. It means if I don't have one in stock, I will make you one. God promises us that. If we remain in close, deep relationship with him, just sucking all of them nutrients from him, his love, all of that up into ourselves, becoming more and more like Christ all the time, and we remain in there, and his words just remaining in our, our head and our heart, he said, then you can ask for anything, anything. That's what he said. You may ask for any request you like, and it will be granted. And if I don't have one in stock, I will make you one. That's fantastic, unbelievable, but it is believable. Are you working at cultivating your confident expectation? Is so important that your prayers be answered, that you expect them to be answered. Confidently, that's what he's talking about. That's what his faith is. Faith is a substance. This is the title deed of what you're hoping for. Hope is a confident expectation for future success. Faith is is that you get your hands on it. You can understand. Oh, I, when I pray, I got to expect. When I'm, you, you have to have this confident expectation. That's what he's telling us here. Now think about this for a moment. I like this guy. His name's F. B. Meyer. And he said, unbelief, unbelief. There's no expectation there at all. I don't don't expect nothing. Unbelief puts circumstances between us and God. So just imagine for a moment that this brown bag there, just imagine that that's God. And you want to get close to God and you want to be really deep in relationship with him. And, And he says, if we get really close to him, and remain in him, and his word remains in us, we can ask for our word. But what, what would you, you say? Would you like circumstances to come between you and God? Well, I want to, but circumstances. You know, all those things that happen, it just comes between me and God all the time. Is that good with you? I don't like circumstances coming between me and God. I can't go to church. I can't read my Bible. I can't, because there's circumstances that comes between us all the time. And I want to worship and I want to sing and I want to study. I want to pray. And so prayers can be answered. But circumstances, I can't really have much relation with God. Because circumstances is always coming between me and God. Keeping you at a distance from Almighty God. F.P. Meyer says, unbelief puts circumstances between us and God. But confident expectations... It puts God between us and circumstances. Now, wouldn't you like it? No matter what kind of circumstances there are, all kinds of bad, whether it's raining or snowing or not enough money to go around or not this or that, and then you got God who comes between you in every situation. He protects you. He provides for you. He cares for you. He loves you. He assures you. I, where do you want God at? You want God coming between you and circumstances, or do you want circumstances coming between you and God? Unbelief brings circumstances between you and God. (laughs) But having a confident expectation, and that's nothing more than the title deed of faith, it brings God between you and circumstances, and circumstances is always subject to change. They will change in a heartbeat, you know. So where do you want God? You want him close to you or you don't want on the other side of circumstances? Now, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What did they focus on? Their king there, what was that king's name? Nebuchadnezzar. He told them, he said, y'all come in here and worship my golden image or anybody who don't, let me put in a fiery furnace. Was they st- staring and focusing on the fiery furnace? Were well, they staring at circumstances? Oh, no. Oh, them circumstances. Oh, the fire. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? No, they didn't. Shadrach, Beshach, and Abednego, they kept God between them and circumstances. They didn't stare at the circumstances. Circumstances are subject to change. God's not. you got to remember this. These three Hebrew children, they imagined, and they told the king. They said, king, because the king gave me another chance. said, well, okay, we'll do it again. And if you'll worship my golden image, you know, everything will be cool. But if you don't, we're heated up the furnace seven times hotter than it was, and we're going to put you guys in it. And Shavuot Meshach and the said, King, you don't need to waste no time here. We already know what we're going to do. Our God is able to protect us and to keep us from your old fiery furnace. And he will. But even if he don't, we ain't going to worship your golden image. Now, you're talking about confident expectation. They was confident that God's going to take care of them. But they, they were determined that even if he don't, we're going to worship him, and we're not going to fall down and worship a chunk of gold out there. There's no life in that. And what happened? The, f- the furnace was heated, and it was hotter. Soldiers came and took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, took them up, opened up furnace up, and the soldiers was getting ready to throw them in. And as they were pushing them in, the soldiers all died because the the furnace was too hot for people to get near it. And the soldiers died right there on the spot as they pushed Erech, Meshach, and Abednego in there. Three guys. The king is watching all this happening. He said, that suits them right. They should do what I tell them to do. And he's looking around there. Here they are walking around in the fire having a party. And he's looking at all of his nobles. He said, hey, didn't we throw three guys in? Did somebody throw a fourth guy in there? One, two, three. We threw three guys in there, but there are four in there now. And one of them looks like, majestic, looks like the son of almighty God. What's happening? And they just walked around for a good long while. Dead soldiers laying on the outside of the furnace. See, they had confidence in who God was and what God would do. And they, they knew him. they had a relationship. And then the king finally had to say, Shadrach, Meshach, Benico, pretty please would y'all come out here? We can't send nobody to come get you. And we know what's going to happen. to Would y'all come on out here, please? And they came out, and people got around them, and the ropes they tied them up with were gone. They burned off. But it says <laughs> they smelled them. There wasn't even the smell of smoke on their clothes. God had done everything that he had promised him and what they knew about him. How deep is your relationship with God? What do you expect God to do? It, well, that's just a little bit too much to expect. For you, yes, but not for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They expected God to help them, and Jesus ended up in there with them, and they had a party. I am telling you, God's word is true. The devil seeking who he may defile It finds you a little bit fearful, a little bit, well, I don't know if you can listen to people, some, some educated people, some professor, well, that Bible's really out there. That's not really true. You listen to all that baloney, and the devil recognizes, hmm, you're vulnerable. He'll attack you. That's just the way it is, you know. So I've been imagining for about three weeks now, I've been imagining vegetables in my yard. And we plowed and we poured out roots and we moved tons of rocks and we planted two weeks ago, we planted seeds all over the garden. And yesterday I walked out there and we've had plenty of rain and I've watered them seeds and yesterday it was 80 degrees. Wasn't that right? 80 degrees. And I went out there and said, like, Susan, well, we have a dozen different kinds of vegetables in our garden. He go, no way. Oh, yes, way. They're there. See, I, 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 I wrote, uh, we got onions and rutabagas and acorn squash and butternut squash and spaghetti squash and beets and Brussels sprouts and carrots and lettuce and kale and Jerusalem artichokes and cabbage. And we hadn't even really planted it yet. Because they told us to wait until this is next week. But guess what? The plants are coming up. It said it on the package It said we'll germinate and grow up in two weeks. Guess what? It was two weeks to the day. I took pictures of it. I don't have them to show you right now because we're a little down on some of our, transposing all of our pictures and videos and all like that. But I am telling you, I've read it. What about if we read the Bible? You think the, the Bible is as reliable as a package of seeds? Them vegetables are coming. Oh, I I, I didn't see the big chunk that I'm going to eat one day, but it's coming. I can see it. It's coming. It's coming. I fully expect them vegetables to be on my plate and in my tummy, you know, and my family and all the folks who are around. I expect that. And that's not naivety, you know. I read what the package said. And I'll tell you what, I've read what this book says, and it's the truth. And you can count on almighty God, you know? You can. Uh, I've been reading my Bible. Have you? And I've been expecting everything that it says to come true, just like I've been reading that package of seeds. And it's the truth. Helen Keller, she said, although the world is full of suffering, and we do know it is, she said it is also full of people who is overcoming suffering. Is it possible to overcome suffering? If you can get God between you and circumstances, you can overcome all kinds of things. If you keep circumstances between you and God, you're pretty much defeated. That's the truth of it. And the worst thing can happen to us is that we just kick off of our shoes and go sliding down them streets of gold in our sock feet and we get the heaven ahead of everybody else and we're part of the welcoming committee when all of our friends and family come. That's what I'm talking about here. It says right here in In the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 36, it says, Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. Believe means to confidently expect. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid. You got a choice. I'm going to be afraid or I'm going to confidently believe what God has said in his word. Some folks, expectations are weakened by predicaments catastrophes, circumstances, whereas some folks' expectations are strengthened by these predicaments, catastrophes, and circumstances. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they came out of that fire, their faith and their expectation was greater than it had ever been because of going through the fire. And you and I know, when you've seen God come to your aid and help you in difficult times, your faith is just stronger. You don't have to, you know, just give up and, and and quit in the midst of difficulties. Listen to what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, we are pressed on every side. What percentage is every? 100%, not just north, south, east, and west, but every little digit between there. <laughs> and it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, we are pressed on every side by... Troubles. You ever had some trouble? Sure you have. And we are not crushed. Just because we had trouble don't mean we had to be crushed. We were pressed, but we're not crushed. Our faith grew stronger. We are perplexed. We don't know what in the world's going on sometimes, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we never, but never are abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We get right back up, and we got armor. We're ready for the fight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 says, We wish you could see how all this is working out for your benefit. This stuff, this trouble, these difficulties, the being pressed, the troubles, the the perplexities, all these things being hunted down, knocked down, all these things are working for your benefit. We wish, verse 4, 15 says, We wish you could see how all this is working out for your benefit. And how the more grace God gives you, the more that enabling power God gives you, the more thanksgiving will redound, will reflect to his glory. Are you giving him thanks during difficult times? Have you thanked God or praised God in the last couple of months because of the blessings you do have and the, what you have experienced? Or have you only grown and moaned and belly ache, which is the evidence to a lion that you are weak and you're vulnerable and he's going to snack on you a little bit later. That's just what I'm talking about. He says here, it's for your benefit, these things that have happened and how the more grace God gives, the more thanksgiving will redound to his glory. This is the reason why we never collapse. We never give up. What percentage is never? 100%. This is the reason why we never collapse. This is the Phillips translation. King James says, we never give up. Never, ever, never give up. The outward man does indeed suffer wear and tear, but every day the inward man receives fresh strength. These little troubles, these little troubles, which are really so transistory, means brief, it means... Temporary I and mean short-lived, are winning for us a permanent, glorious, and solid reward out of, out of all proportion. We're talking about this little mustard seed thing called faith. And this little thing is, is, is moving mountains and changing the world seems out of proportion and are, are winning for us a permanent, glorious, and solid reward out of all proportion to our pain. For we're looking all the time, not at the visible things, them little small potatoes that are always changing, but we're looking at the invisible, the invisible God and his angelic host and his movements. But we're looking at the invisible, the visible things, or transitory, uh, temporary, short-lived, brief. It's the invisible things, the eternal things that that you're expecting confidently that are really permanent. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, we're, we're about done. Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I know the Lord is always with me. What percentage is always? 100%. I know the Lord is always with me. I know he's always with me. I will not be shaken. What he's saying is I'm not going to be shaken loose. The Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. I'll not be shaken because God's not going to be shaken and he's right there beside me and he's not going to let that happen to me. And you go, well, Paul and Silas were shaken. There's an earthquake hit that prison. No, no, hold on. The prison was shaken. The the, the doors were shaken off of the hinges. The chains were all shaken right off of the prisoners. But Paul and Silas was never shaken. They was never shaken. They were singing and they were dancing in chains. And all them chains popped off and the doors popped off. And they just continued singing and and, and praising Almighty God because he had not abandoned them. I'm telling you, you'll never be shaken off You'll be never shaken like that because God's with you. He's with you, and he's promised what his word says right there. I know the Lord God is always with me. I will not be shaken. I will not. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 26 says, When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means all, that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things, eternal things. Are you an eternal thing? You have eternal life? This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. And this is in these end times. Psalms 33, verse 11 says, But the Lord's plan stands firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Man, He loves us and He's promised us, and He'll stick to that all our, our lives, right? All eternity. His intentions can never be shaken. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen for his own. Psalm 62, verse 2 He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. <laughs> so, what are you doing to cultivate your expectations? Do you expect God to do everything that he's promised he's going to do and take care of you and yours? Because he will. Or are you being shaken from those truths and, and just living in doubt and unbelief and, and being timid and, and, and just, you know, wimpy and wavering? Are you standing strong? Are you lifting up a hallelujah? Are you shouting unto God in the face of your enemies? That's what I'm talking about. Well, here's one more verse. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And if you're born of God, that means you're born again. Now, I don't have time to read it off, but in the book of John chapter 3, John chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, tells you about a guy named Nicodemus who got born again. And he, he had Jesus explain it to him. But here it says in 1 John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Well, we're not shaken. We overcome the world. 1 John chapter 4, Uh, 5, verse 4, it goes on to say, and this is the victory that overcome the world. And it's our faith. This is unshakable faith. It's our confident expectation that overcomes this world. And we will not be shaken because God's with us and he can't be shaken. And then it says, the last verse I'm going to read, it says, who is he or she? Who is he who overcomes the world? But he or she who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? When all the shaking's going on, have you recognized that as long as God ain't shaking, I ain't either. He's gonna shake a lot of stuff loose, but it ain't gonna be me. I'm with him. I'm staying with him, and I got great expectations. There was a guy by the name of Columbus once upon a time. He was a hero. He took off trying to find this, this promised land. <laughs> he looking for this new world. And all of his sailors who was traveling with him, they kind of got tired of it. And they threatened to the mutiny. They almost did mutinize him. He said, nope. He continued to sail. He continued to sail. And then lo and behold, he came up on the shores that not too far from where we're at right here. And he discovered a new world. He expected it. And he had opposition and he had trouble and he had waves and he had people who doubted him, but he was confident in his expectation. What about you? I'm gonna tell you the first step is you gotta believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. You gotta welcome him into your life. And then begin to expect everything else he says is true. He's a life changer. Jesus, resurrection, that's a game changer. In the man or the woman, the boy or the girl who confidently expects God to be all he promised and to do all he said he's going to do, you're going to see the fruit of that. It will change things in your world. If you don't know Jesus right now as your Savior and your Lord, I want you to join me as we pray. Let Jesus come into your heart. Forgive your sins. Write your name in the book of life, and we'll be there together one day. I might get there ahead of you. You might get there ahead of me. The bottom line is that we get there. That's the truth of it. If you already know Christ, would you reaffirm your faith? As those who are not sure, they're going to pray and welcome Christ into their life now. And would you who know Christ, would you reaffirm your faith with me right now? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he gave his lifeblood for me. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior. And as my soon coming King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. But this day I declare my faith in you. I expect you to do everything you said you would do. I believe in you, and I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. What are you expecting? I promise you this. Let your roots go down into this thing here, into God's word, and it'll change what you're expecting. You'll expect bigger and grander. You'll have dreams it seems like there ain't no way that could happen unless God did it and you nailed that on the head. Yes, you did. God changes things. When you begin to read his book and it builds your faith and it changes things in you and around you like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't let circumstances come between them. They didn't let no fiery furnace come between them and God. They kept God Between them and circumstances. And as you live your life for Jesus, you got him right here with us coming between us and circumstances. Hey, God bless you guys. We're praying for you every day.